the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Time flying by. News Talk 710-KNUS. Some kind words. I still got to throw Mike Peterson at 10 for those kind words at the end of the last hour. Alexa texting in, how much did you bribe Mike for his last statement, LOL? Well, you know, I mean, he's not wrong that I have the best bumper music known to man. In fact, this is a fact that is well established in radio and in this great state of Colorado. Uh, and, and in terms of shady business, he even got in there. He threw in a reference to a Jimmy Jr. Blues Band original shady business going on, which I appreciate as well. No, that was an interesting conversation. I had a, a listener text come in that I wanted to respond to, 710 app. Please, name in town, name in town if you wish to text in. Unidentified texter saying, quote, ask Mike what he thinks the board will do about reducing the school meal levy in light of the rejection of HH and the inability of the special session to resolve the matter. I didn't have a chance to get into this and ask the question at the tail end there. We were super tight. But I have an answer. They can't. Legally, they cannot reduce the mill levy because that is set by the voters. And guess what? While the voters of Colorado voted down Prop HH, and of course the legislature circumvented that, but the point is they voted down Prop HH, the voters of Douglas County approved 5A. Even if the, the school board could reduce the mill levy, which legally is not allowed, but even if they could reduce it, That would mean that they would literally be doing what the Democrats did at the state legislature in in circumventing Prop HH, only worse. Because they would explicitly be undoing what the voters put in place permanently in Douglas County. You can't do that. Literally, you shouldn't do that even in an alternate reality where a board could reduce the mill levy. But look, we got into some brass tacks, so to speak, not on that aspect, but on the Dugco GOP. And quite frankly, the fact that we didn't have any sort of unified front in Douglas County, and I'm now a Dugco resident, in Douglas County undermined the opportunity for those three school board members that were on the best DCSD slate to get elected. Now, literally, in 2025, all you need is Democrats, the union, to win one single seat on the school board. Just one. And they have the majority, and they can undo the equity policy changes, the parental rights policy, the other things that the conservative majority did in the past couple of years. That's all it's going to take. And again, 
in the district that had two Republicans on the ballot, Jason Page, who was an incumbent, who had been appointed to fill Elizabeth Hansen's seat, and David DiCarlo, you add up those votes, it's more than what Brad Geiger got, and Jason Page had more votes than David DiCarlo. You literally split the vote in an obvious way where had there been one candidate, very likely, you can't know for certain, but very likely you would have had been able to keep number five and then you could, in 2025, lose one seat and you'd still have the majority for the conservatives. And that, unfortunately, is not what's going to happen. That's, that's the political reality. And I'm tired of the, the, the fantasy life that we have. The Colorado Republican Party has a chairman in Ron Hanks. We talked about this last Saturday. A, a chairman of the party's ballot and election security committee who literally said a couple of weeks ago, you know, we should not certify the election results in the counties. Literally doing what the Democrats did with Prop HH and said, you know what, to hell with the voters, we're going to do it our own way. You're literally, by not certifying, and I don't know of any county that did it, I'm not sure what counties ended up actually following through. But by suggesting that, you are literally thumbing your nose at the voters of Colorado, who, by the way, struck down Prop HH with a 20% margin of victory. And you're saying, we don't want to accept your results. Thumbing your nose at those voters and literally accepting the results by saying we don't want to certify the election. That's just astonishing to me. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. There's no logic to it. It's a self-defeating GOP. And that's the kind of thing that we would see or that we saw in Douglas County that we're seeing all throughout the state. Look, folks, this is an increasingly blue state. I don't care about the other states in this context. You can debate and discuss and say what you want about Pennsylvania, Georgia, what have you, and there's legitimacy to a lot of concerns regarding those states. But here in Colorado, we are a blue state right now. Here's some proof about us being a blue state. When you can see in the results of elections in Douglas County, which has clear ballot, not dominion, So even if you want to go and complain about Dominion, this and that, and Dominion's the reason why Colorado's supposedly blue, but we're not really blue. Trump won Colorado. Talk about nonsense, but here's the proof of that. You have seen victories for Democrats and more success for the left in Douglas County, and that's because of people moving to Colorado and moving to Douglas County from California and other liberal states bring in those values, and if Douglas County is losing a lot of its redness, that ought to tell you, you know what, Colorado can be blue. God forbid you accept and acknowledge that reality. God forbid you do that. It's head in the sand lunacy. 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971, come tussle with me if you want to on this point. Now, I, I wrote, and we discussed in the first hour of my column, 
for the Denver Gazette yesterday. At last, millennials are taking over Denver. At last, millennials are taking over Denver. And that's happening. And right now, short term, that's been bad. That's helped explain a lot of the blueness of the state. But then, but then, you look at the trends of the millennial generation, and you see they're increasingly becoming more conservative. And you can look and you can see that millennials are becoming more conservative. And in the future, give it five, ten years, we could become a purple state again. With a rightward trajectory, Prop HH going down in flames was an example of that, of of a lot of people in this state being right on the policy issues, but just not on board with the Republican branding. And I would I would also say that in terms of the Colorado GOP, I remember moderating the last debate of the chairman race. And I asked a question about the GOP brand and improving the GOP brand. And Dave Williams got up there. And, and there's a lot of merit to what Williams is, is bringing. I also am frustrated with some of the things that he's done, uh, like this whole election thing with Ron Hanks. But he said the Republican Party doesn't have a branding issue. And I sat there as the moderator and I was like, what in the world is going on here? How does he not think that there's a branding issue of any kind for the state of Colorado? And if you're starting from that base point, we don't have any branding issues. We're just not bold and brash enough in expressing our policy views and opposing Democrats and this and that. How are you going to be able to be victorious in a state where the left is dominating? Look at the legislature. The number of Republicans there is tiny, particularly in the House. We've got like, what, 15 Republicans out of 65, 15 to 20, that's it. Like it, it's, it's astonishing to think about how far behind the uh, Republicans are in the state of Colorado right now. And need to get that together, get a bit of an understanding about that. And recognize political realities. That's one thing as we go to the phones, 303-696-1971. One of the things that I always thought was the case for Republicans, for conservatives, is we look at things as they are, not as we want them to be. You can't will something to reality that isn't there. That's what the progressive left does. They put blinders on and they say, this is the way the world should be, so therefore that's how it is. And I never thought the conservative movement, the right, was that way. And unfortunately, there are a lot of elements on the right that seem to be that way. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Dave in Denver. Dave, you're on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Yeah, Jimmy, I loved your piece um, in the Denver Gazette about the GOP. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, I think everyone, if you're a Jimmy Sangenberger fan, which I am, You've got to be reading the Denver Gazette. I've seen so much fantastic writing just in the last year or so since it's been in existence. I appreciate that, truly. Thank you. 
Yeah, the, uh, this guy, Ben Zebeck, what a wonderful guy. He wrote something about Camelot in the last Sunday edition about the Kennedy era. I don't know if you saw it. It was just absolutely brilliant. Expand on it. I didn't. Oh, yeah. Look it up. The best piece I read, though, was a guy, Sean Dukas. See if you can get him on. He wrote about um, going back to the Obama administration and the way they wanted to cozy up to Iran and how a lot of this has led to a lot of dis- um, about the unsettlement, I think. Yes. I have to go back to that. The guy, Ben Rhodes, yes. uh, he may be a nice guy. He was a terrible, terrible NSC advisor, though, and thinking you could uh, you could cozy up to Iran. Yeah. Which most certainly, we're paying the wages of that sin now. You know what, Dave? This is the yeah. thing in terms of Iran, as you're shifting into yeah. foreign policy, and I welcome it. Uh, yeah. With regards to Iran, when the Trump administration came in, and say what you think about Trump's personality and so many other things. When the Trump administration oh, yeah. came in there, they looked at the Middle East and they saw, you know what? There are back-channel conversations going on between Saudi Arabia and other Gulf Arab states in Israel. These conversations yeah. are happening behind closed doors. They're back-channel. They're just not publicly all that known. But we see that and we see how concerned the Arab countries are about Iran. We see, of course, yeah. how concerned Israel is about Iran. So we, the United States, now concerned about Iran, just having pulled out of the Iranian nuclear deal are going to send Donald Trump on his very first foreign trip to Riyadh to speak to all of these Muslim countries and to meet with the king of Saudi Arabia and the upcoming up and coming crown prince of Saudi Arabia and have those conversations and say, we get it. And then what do you have? The Abraham Accords. Which should have gotten a Nobel Prize. I've said that for years. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Unfortunately, you know, Trump, he's a, he's a terrible poster boy. But look at the body of his work. It's, it's staggering. And, and we may have that chance again. Yeah, I mean, you do look at so many things that his administration did in terms of accomplishments. And Middle East peace, such as it was, or heading in that direction is just one example of many for sure, Dave. Um, so. If he gets back, he should reappoint Mike Pompeo. Which oh, has I been the finest. Yeah, uh, I completely. Are, are you going to are you going to touch on Henry Kissinger sometime? Uh, you know what? I I wasn't planning on it. I mentioned it the other day, but I, I will say since we're talking about foreign policy, um, that the loss of Kissinger, you can gripe about many oh, of his yeah. different po- foreign policy views and so forth, but. The guy yeah. was a stalwart and a tremendous influencer in terms of American policy, and his mark will be felt for a long, long time to come. And, of course, he passed away at the age of 100 in a week that was remarkable because yesterday we saw the passing of Sandra Day O'Connor at 93, the first woman on yeah. the Supreme Court appointed, by the way, by Republican Ronald Reagan, and then also within the last week or two, Rosalind Carter's passing away as well. Oh, yeah. I say, God bless the Kipper. <laughs> I will love him forever. Yes, Amen to that. Because <laughs> they, they call that they call Reagan the Kipper. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, I well know that, Dave. Hey, I appreciate yeah. the call. But, Thank but read, you. Read, read, read the Denver Gazette, everyone. It's fantastic. Thank you, sir. And read, I, read, read Jimmy's column too. The I, best. Okay. I, hey, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. George Brockler also has a weekly column in the Denver Gazette, as well as a voice you often hear on the station, John. Caldera, too.
be sure to indeed check out the Denver Gazette. We're going to take a break. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Let's keep the conversation going. 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to text in, please keep it here. 710-KNUS. One of the great Christmas classics by Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. We are rocking around the Christmas tree here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Christmas bumper music all throughout the Christmas season. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Steve in Littleton, appreciate the great show this morning, Tex. Thank you for that. Going back earlier... Uh, we talked a little bit about good old Tay Anderson, no longer on the board. DPS, up at DPS. I'm just chilling at the crib and making policy. They say they want some drastic changes here, but all I see is folks not helping all our kids when they can hardly read. And somehow I get all the blame, and that's what bothers me. Oh, he's no longer slaving up in DPS. He's now just running for... The state legislature, Alexa and Littleton, texted earlier. I wonder if the poll numbers don't look good for Tay if he'll drop out before next November. Well, really, it would be drop out before next June or whenever the primary is. And, yeah, there's a good possibility for that. He had a 9% approval rating before he decided not to run for re-election or rather to drop out of his bid for re-election. So easy to conclude it's possible that that might be the case. Also, talking about our column discussion earlier for yesterday's Denver Gazette, at last, millennials are taking over Denver. 41% of Denver's population, according to Smart Asset, is millennial now. 41% of the millennial generation, or 41% of Denver's entire residency is millennial. Thrown every generation. Denver is the fifth most sought-after destination among the 268 municipalities that they surveyed. Boulder coming in 15th. And Colorado is number four among the top states for millennials and also the number one state for share of millennials of that state in the nation among all the 50 states which has pros and cons to it, this millennial will acknowledge. Now, text came in. As a boomer, I think boomers are a big problem in politics. We need more X, Z, and millennials. By the way, millennials is Generation Y. So we could say Gens X, Y, and Z. After all, they are the future. Yeah, I think that's true Uh, in terms of really looking ahead, what's what's striking to me. You know, there are a lot of folks who will say and acknowledge Gen X is kind of being passed over. You've had all this focus on the baby boomers and all this focus on millennials. And lo and behold, Gen X hasn't really had its day in the sun, so to speak. And you look at the presidential race and you have two octogenarians running in Donald Trump and Joe Biden running for re-election, if they're the nominees, like, 
you, you don't really have much opportunity for Gen X in the years to come to serve in these presidential positions and and so forth. They're not going to have a long reign of opportunity. And I think that's notable. So allow that room. We got to the, the Gen X bench that is on the stage right now for the presidential race. But I, I think Chris Christie's in there and Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. I think they're all Gen Xers. Vivek Ramaswamy, of course, is the token millennial up on stage. But there's an opportunity here, except you got Trump and very big possibility that Trump ends up winning uh, the nomination and then heading on into this race for the presidency against Biden unless they replace him. Text coming in Jacqueline here this morning, Jimmy, in Nebraska. If Tay Anderson doesn't get into the legislature, is he eligible to try to get back on the Denver school board? Yes, he is. He's only served one term. He could run again. And in fact, he left that door open in his closing speech. His final speech a couple of weeks ago, the one where, of course, he said this. I have been able to travel across America. Yes, Jimmy, across America, sharing the great work that have that we have been doing (laughs) that we have been doing. Yeah, he was looking back at me in the corner. It was real interesting. 303-696-1971. We have one open line here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Let's go to Doug in Highlands Ranch. Morning, Doug. What's going on? Yeah, good morning, uh, Jimmy. I, I, I might have missed this, but I just had one quick question for you in regard to Mr. Peterson's resignation, and that is what, what's the next steps into filling the seat? Because, as you know, then we'll, we'll have three versus three out of the six right now, you know what I mean, in a conservative yeah. liberal vote. Right. So that's a that's a great question. It was something I wanted to get to with Mike when he was in studio. We just didn't have the time. Here's how this will work is they need to fill that seventh seat. And you would think, OK, three to three split. This is a problem. Well, here's the thing. If there is a tie breaking vote and I or I mean a. Uh, a tie in this, and they can't reach a consensus on, okay, this is who we're going to appoint to fill that slot. Christy Williams is now the president of the school board. Mike Peterson participated in that vote, which enabled a decision. Otherwise, it would have been a 3-3 stalemate, and they wouldn't have had a president. They probably would have never agreed on who would fill that seventh seat. So you would have had that kind of deadlock consistently for an indefinite amount of time. But since he stayed on and he voted so that you could have a president take on that position, in this case, Christy Williams, if there's a deadlock and they're not able to have a majority vote on who to replace or uh, Peterson and fill that seventh seat, which has to be from his part of the district in Douglas County, then the president of the school board, Christy Williams, gets to make that appointment. So that's oh, what will cool. happen next. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what the time frame is on that, Doug. But I can all, I can imagine that you know they come back in the new year and it won't be too long before they have that settled. Yeah, I would imagine because there's some upcoming controversies. So you know, as yes. you know, so most definitely. All right, sir. All right. I appreciate. Hey, it. Thank you. Thanks very for much. the call, Doug. Doug lines open three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Let's go to Joe in Littleton next up. Morning, Joe. Hi, Jimmy. Um, boy, that Mike Peterson sure seemed like a smart and a very nice person. 
I, I think so. I, when I said a couple of times earlier that it's a real loss that he's left the board, yeah. he is not only extraordinarily articulate, but he's a very strong strategic thinker. Surely it comes from his 25-year military yep. background. But when you have that kind of strategic thinking, you can bring about some changes that are significant in a way that makes sense and that is uh, – successful and hopefully lasting. And I certainly have seen some of that from uh, his time as president of the school board. And I do think that Christy Williams is going to be a strong replacement for him, uh, although Mike had a special knack for the strategy element of things. Right. Um, Jimmy, I call for a a question for you. Um, I was just hearing this week that they're going to give money for people who – Say you got your car stolen, and then they'll give you money to get uh, rentals and all that stuff. Where is that money coming from? And um, is that just Denver? And it seems to me, let's say you left your car unlocked. Aren't you negligent for doing that? And shouldn't the really the – I don't know if I'm thinking the right way. Well, actually, Joe, let me – clear something up about how they get into cars based on my experience as a three-time auto theft victim the third time and mind you these were hyundais that didn't have an engine immobilizer hyundais without engine immobilizers Uh are the top among the top cars that have been stolen so i had a hyundai tucson that didn't have an engine immobilizer both times i had two different Hyundai Tucson's. And in uh, last year, last November of 2022, I was at the Stampede in Aurora for the Arapahoe County Republican Party's shindig where they got shellacked, but it was the Republican Party gathering. And my car was outside. And I went inside with my girlfriend and we were in there for 45 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes after per video that we had uh, that we were able to look at a car comes up goes right behind my vehicle. A guy gets out of that car. Mm. Next thing you know, they are my car lights are blinking. He got into my car using what is called, uh, I think it's called a repeater. So mm-hmm. I have my uh, key fob in the stampede, and it was close enough where they were able to use this device to piggyback off of my fob to clone the fob in that moment. To get into my car, and then what they did was they used my USB uh, for my car charger to punch the ignition and get the car started. And within three minutes of arrival, they were gone with my car. And it was because I didn't have one of these RFID cases. You want to get an RFID bag if you have a key fob, any kind of car. It's the best way to prevent this kind of thing from happening because it can't happen in any cars. It's just Hyundais are easier to start because of the absence of the engine immobilizer. I tell you all of this just to say you no longer need to have your car unlocked nor a window broken in Mm. in order for your car to be stolen. I don't know this for sure, but I suspect this is what they did in 2020 when my car was stolen for the first time, my previous car. Well, I had two radios, the same car, two radios stolen out of mine twice, two times. And but what and that was a while ago. But my question would be wouldn't the better thing be to toss these people in jail so they can't do this? Well, you got to find them. Here's the number one problem is finding them is extraordinarily hard. Uh. 
And a lot of times what happens, Joe, is they will steal a car. They will use it for other things, like in both of my instances, but particularly Uh in the first one, there was drug use. They used the vents Mm. of my first stolen car to put meth down in those vents. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was stolen from the auto body shop the second time is because they wanted to get at any meth that was still in the car, and then it was abandoned. A lot of times these cars will be stolen and then used for just joy rides, or they will be used uh, if, they're, if they're teenagers that are stealing them, or they will be used to commit robbery. Usually it's to commit other crimes, and then they'll often abandon those cars. And so catching those criminals is not easy. In fact, um, I, I don't know that they ended up successfully prosecuting or, or didn't. The mm-hmm. person who, who was involved, who was arrested in, in my first car that had been stolen when um, when that all, whole thing happened. But I could tell you that for the, the car that was stolen last November, no clue who stole it. Well, yeah, I guess my, my radar always goes up when they want to. I mean, I understand the plight of that because it's horrible when you can't get to work or this or that. But I, I just my antenna goes up and says, "Well, who's paying for this?" And maybe there's a better remedy to get rid of this kind of thing going on. But I don't know. I'm not a <laughs> okay. A so I'm looking. Or... I'm looking here, and I got to look into this actually. Uh, from KDVR, it's not Denver. It's the Colorado State Patrol is Uh beginning to facilitate this program for victims of auto or catalytic converter theft funds. And it is per the Auto Theft Prevention Cash Fund that was passed originally through the Colorado State Senate designed to award funds to eligible entities for theft prevention programs, enforcement, prosecution, or offender rehabilitation. The act also specifies that grants can fund programs in support of victims of automobile theft and technology advancement. So that's how it's being funded is through a legislature program. Well, and I guess the core of everything here, it seems, is, is knowing our Lord and not doing these bad things. And I don't know if that's going to happen in this society, but I pray for it every day. Yeah, well, I, I'm right there with you. And it is striking when we learned this week that the mayor of Denver himself <laughs> also had his car stolen for the second time. Welcome to the club of multiple auto thefts, Mayor yeah. Mike Johnston. Joe, thanks for the call. An oh, interesting thank you. question. I appreciate it. I was unaware of this program. Now I myself have to look into it and see if I'm eligible for it from the Colorado State Patrol. But this auto theft issue. It's not going away. There are a lot of aspects to it. I cannot stress enough. I have it here. It makes for a bigger keychain and less comfort in your pocket. But I strongly encourage anybody with a remote key fob for your car to have one of these RFID bags for it because once you get a distance away, they can't piggyback off that signal and clone it. And that, I think, is it's one of the best purchases that anybody could make just to have that extra element of security. There's no guarantees in anything, but it certainly makes it better just as having an engine immobilizer or a push-button start car makes it more likely, or less likely, rather, that your car is going to be stolen. So just a little bit, keep that in mind. Uh, one other thing that I, I want to address, um, just in terms of what we have seen this week with 
all the news that was coming out of, of Douglas County. Um, as we as I answered uh, the listener question before about how they're going to be able to put on that seventh board member, once that happens, just be clear about something. If you want the conservative board majority to maintain in Douglas County, show as much support as you can to the school board majority there, to the what will be four members of that majority. This is very important. Uh, a very important step that needs to happen is all folks in Douglas County and also elsewhere showing support, showing up in that regard, including to uh, board meetings to say we support what you are doing if you feel so inclined in that regard. I also got clarity on the timeline for the process of filling this vacancy. Uh, 60 days after they formally accept Mike Peterson's resignation is the deadline before Christy Williams has to appoint as president of the board now someone to fill that replacement. So they have a couple of months to get this in order. So by February, sometime in February, you will have a new board member, number seven, on in that seat. George from Westminster texting in his ball. Thanks for the info on the RFID bag, Jimmy. Yes, keep that in mind. It's also good for your cell phones and for other things that emit signals. And they have RFID boxes. So what I also have at home is a box where I have my spare key, for example, uh, in there that has the RFID blocking of the signal. So just something else to keep in mind. All right, what? A vibrant program we have going on today. The time has been flying by. We've got one more segment up ahead. Peter Boyles is in the house. We'll check in with him. He's up from 9 to noon right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Don't go anywhere. Mm-mm-mm. I'm smiling on the outside, but on the inside, I'm crying Christmas tears. One of the great Christmas blues classics from the man himself, Freddie King. One of the three kings of the blues. The first to pass away way back in 1976. Way, way too soon. Peter Boyles here in studio. I asked Peter, you ever listen to yourself some some Freddie King? And what would you say? Yeah. Um, I grew up on the music. Powerful voice. Yeah. Powerful get fiddle playing. We talked about it. I, I mean, I grew up on the Dells and the Crows and Lee Andrews and the Hearts and Pookie Hudson. And, you know, the, and, that, and there was a the radio station I listened to growing up was Whammo. It was a, was, it was a black station. And uh, the one that time existed. So I never really got into Top 40 radio. Mm-hmm. I was drawn the other way. And then they played th- that kind of music. You know how B.B. King, one of the first things that he ever did to get his start was actually he showed up wanting to make a record yep. at the local radio station. I think it was WBEM, the Ended first black job, radio station. But even before that, yeah. he he was it, Sonny Boy Williamson, and Cook. he was talking with him and and wanting to, to get something. And, and Sonny Boy had him make up a jingle on the spot for some product that Sonny Boy was pushing on the air. And that's the first thing that BB did. No, they, you ever heard that one? It goes three, two, one. Cook, Sonny Boy. <laughs> there he's, you go. he's recording, but the guy tells him, Cook. Right. Yeah, that's great stuff. No. Oh, one of the great heart players. Yeah. I mean, we're just going down music lane here. What you got coming up, brother? Well, uh, Henry Kissinger <clears throat> passes away, and we're going to take a long, hard look at his life. 
But Francis Scott Key's name's being taken off Montgomery in Maryland, Montgomery County. Are you serious? And uh, Francis Scott Key, of course, the War of 1812 and the Star-Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. And now, it, when it comes to Key, the um, county boogeyman, he had a very complicated relationship with slavery. In fact, owned 12 slaves shortly before his death, and he freed seven during his life. He's an attorney. He represented slaves and slave owners, very complex guy, but very much a man of his time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, watching the British bombardment during the War of 1812 writes what we know is our national song. His name is being pulled. Why? You know, first they wanted to kneel during the national anthem, which is the Star-Spangled Banner. And now, what are they doing? They're stripping away his name. It, this is happening everywhere with Indeed. desecration of and statues and but, removing names. And, and what? I, I brought a list in of possible reasons. Cheap. Well, why? I mean, um, social Marxism <clears throat> is what this is really all about. And But taking Francis Scott Key, we're going to play some play the national anthem, but... Uh, the key is now being taken down, and he was he's being called a racist slave owner whose time has come to get canceled. I just read that to you. Look, in 2020, they desecrated Frederick Douglass's statue. Oh, yeah, sure. A, a slave who whose freedom was purchased by some British chaps yeah. a decade or more who? before the end of slavery in this country. He actually went to and, Ireland. And they desecrated. Yeah. Yeah, he what went, the heck? Well— as a kid, That's how far yeah. astray they are. Yeah, as a kid growing up, uh, Stephen Foster was this sort of Pittsburgh icon. And the gym that I fought in, and I would always go past this bronze of Stephen Foster. It's now been taken down in Pittsburgh. They took Stephen Foster down. So Kate Smith. Kate Smith has been removed. Um, so what is the purpose of all of this? And then we're going to talk about Henry Kissinger. So. Saturday morning. Uh, Yes, that'll be a fascinating show. Peter Boyle's 9 to noon. Go get him, brother. Thanks, boy. All right, we've got just a little bit more, a minute to go. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you this coming week. From Monday through Friday, tune in from 3 to 4. I'll be back in the saddle. And then, of course, next Saturday morning, 6 to 9 a.m., same time, same place. More engaging, intelligent talk, sang style. Be sure to tune in. And, of course, we will be continuing to spin the best Christmas bumper music known to man. Log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com, and go to jimmysangenberger.com slash Christmas, and you can check out... Uh, curated selection of the best Christmas bumpers right there. Remember, all ease all the time in Sangenberger. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay warm and safe out there. And as always, may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.